Hebrews chapter 13 is the passage we're going to consider this morning. Um, I spoke already enough in this intro, and I'm just going to read the passage as we look at the important ministry, especially for us as a new church, of hospitality and how God uses that in our own spiritual formation. So draw attention to me, if you would, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, there's obviously more to this chapter, but we are just going to stop it there at verse 8. I want to draw your attention at the very outset here to um, the fact that this passage, these eight verses that we read, in fact, really the the whole of chapter 13, but especially eight eight, uh, verses, really spell out the marks of what it means to be a genuine Christian and what it means to be a genuinely true, orthodox, and living church. And if you notice in these eight verses, the focus is on love. Now, for those of us who kind of grew up in the circles that we did, we were taught since our youngest of years, I don't know if you remember this, that there are three marks to a true, genuine church. The first is the faithful preaching of God's word, and then the second is um, the pure administration of the sacraments, and then the third is the faithful exercise of church discipline. So there you go, marks the true church. And yet, when you take a look at this passage, the one thing, the one attribute or quality that, that really stands at the basis of the faithful preaching of the word and administration of the sacraments and discipline is love. You can have preaching, you can have sacraments, you can have discipline, but if you don't have love, what really do you have? You have orthodoxy, but an orthodoxy that is empty, or what one man named Martin Lloyd-Jones once called a defective orthodoxy. We don't want that here. We want living orthodoxy, right? A living orthodoxy rooted in love. If you take a look at these verses, notice how it's all about love. Verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Not only love for brothers and sisters in the faith, fellow Christians, but also a love for the stranger. I'll get back to that in just a moment. Then also a love for the prisoner, those who are unseen, those who we easily forget about. Then, obviously, there's love within the marriage bond, love between spouses. That's why the marriage bed is to be kept pure. Then there's also, verse 5, a love for simplicity. So beware of a love for money. The opposite of that 
is a love for simplicity. And finally, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you, the implications that we are to show love for our leaders and respect for them. It's all about love. And it's in this whole context of love that we find the call, really the command of God, for us to love strangers. To love those who we are unfamiliar with. Those whom God may bring into our personal lives or those who God may, Lord willing, bring to Pathway through our invitations or through the website or however they get here. If there is one ministry in the church I think that is easily neglected, is hospitality. This past summer, um, before I came to Pathway, um, I visited my home state in my hometown. And on one particular Sunday, I wanted to get away. I wanted to go to worship somewhere. And I thought, oh, I, want, I always worship in various churches in my hometown. I want to go to a, a different church. And what I like to do is when I go on vacations, I get a little bit of a break. I don't like to go to the churches always of my federation. I like to go to other churches. Um, I can learn from that. Um, many times I've appreciated that, so that's what I did. And it was a, as a church that was known as being a denomination that was very, part of a denomination that was very, very open and very missional. So I went to this church, to make a long story short, I went, I got there about five minutes before the worship service started. They had just about as many people as we have here this morning. And when I came in, I sat in the second row, not the front row, but the second row. I knew that everybody saw me come in. And when I first came into the church, there was no greeting, nothing, probably because I was five minutes before the service. I sat down and an elder started the service like we lead here, and then the preacher got up. I know that he saw me. I was right there in front of him in the second row, and after the service was done, I just sat there for a while, for probably about two minutes. Nobody came up to me. Then I got up from my pew, and I looked around, and I faced the, the people, and they were chatting with each other. Everybody knew each other, right? And I just stood there. Nobody came to me. So I started to walk and I went around like over here and I knew that people saw me but they were still talking. Nobody talked to me. And then I went to the back and I started to go down the steps of the, the outside of the, the, the worship area and then I started heading to the door and right when I was heading to the door, someone from about 10 feet away, I think it was probably an elder, still had a bulletin in his hand, said, it's good to have you. Gave him a smile. I went out the door, went to my car, and I went back to where I was staying. That's called neglect. There was a very large church in the Midwest, part of the federation that I came from. I think it was over 500 people. There was a Vietnamese family. I was told this story by a pastor who once pastored that church. He said, we had a Vietnamese family that was in that church for 10 years. They were never invited. They told me this, he said. This Vietnamese family told me we were never invited to anyone's home. People were inviting each other, but they were never invited, not once in 10 years, to someone's home. You know what you call that? That's called sin. It's called a sin of omission. That should never be. And may that never be said of Pathway Christian Church. Listen, listen, listen again to the passage. And this comes as a hospitality command. Do not... Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now, you might ask yourself the question, what is hospitality? You know, I, I can ask you, what do you, what do you think hospitality is? And a lot of 
first thing that comes to mind is, well, kind of be nice to people, welcoming to people, and, and it is that. But let's, let's break that down a little bit. Those words in our text in verse 2, do not forget to show hospitality. How does it put it? Uh, yeah, show hospitality. Those words, show hospitality, are actually one word in the Greek language. It's the word, and kids, it's going to sound very strange to you, Philozenia. That's what the Greek language sounds like, Philozenia. The word, it actually breaks down to two different words. Philo from the Greek word phileo, which means love. There are three Greek words, primary Greek words for love. One is in classical Greek language and the other two are in the Bible. The classical Greek language uses the word eros, from which we get our word erotic. It's kind of so-called love we find in the culture around us. It's more of a kind of sexual, sensual type of love. Then there's two words in the Bible for love in the Greek language. We have phileo and we have agape. You maybe heard that word agape. And the word agape is a form of what we call self-sacrificial love, the kind of love that God shows us in Christ and the kind of love that, is, that husbands are to show to their wives, self-sacrificial love. But The word phileo here really gets at a brotherly kind of love, a, a brotherly and sisterly affection. And so, and the, and the word xenia, that second word, comes from the Greek word xenos, that's the singular, meaning stranger. Perhaps you've heard the word xenophobia, it means a fear of strangers. So literally, when we read this passage, um, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Literally, it's do not neglect to show a love for strangers. That simplifies things. So what is hospitality? It's love. It's not just being nice, it's just not being welcoming, but it really gets to the issue of the heart. Do you have a love for that person that's unfamiliar to you? Do you love that person enough to go up to them and then be welcoming to them? See, it's all in the context of this passage focusing on love. Who's the stranger? Stranger can be somebody who comes into here that we're unfamiliar with. They may be from another church. They may already be church. They may be Christians. But also, they may be what the Bible terms outsiders. These are people who don't know Christ, who are not church. And they are especially the individuals that we are to pay attention to to ensure that they come into the context of the Christian community and be gripped by that. Now, I want you to notice what the text also doesn't say. The text, it says, do not neglect to show hospitality. It doesn't say, don't get in the face of strangers. It doesn't say, you know, don't be nasty. Don't be unkind or cruel. That's usually not the problem with the church. Have you ever heard of anybody going to a church and they said, man, I don't know what that guy's problem was, but he sure got in my face. He was angry or he treated, treated me cruelly. I've never heard that. But I have heard many instances where people said, and maybe you've experienced this yourself or you've gone to another church, unfamiliar, People don't say boo. They don't say hi. They don't even give a handshake hardly, you know? It's like, it's like you didn't exist. That's what it's talking about. Don't neglect. In fact, when you examine the New Testament, what you find is that it, it not only says do not neglect a stranger, but in the book of Romans, it says actually pursue the stranger. Practice hospitality. That's more positive. And it's more urgent. You go. Pursue that stranger. Why? Why should we do that? 
Why should we pursue the stranger? Well, number one, because God commands it. Um, but number two, you never know what kind of impact you can make in someone's life when you exercise hospitality. I know I've mentioned a couple times before, I'll mention it one more time, the, 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 the ministry that I've mentioned of uh, a couple named Fra- uh, Francis and Edith Schaefer who had this, this ministry called Labrie. Labrie means shelter. It was run, this ministry was run out of Swiss chalet to beatniks of the 50s and hippies of the 60s and 70s. And what was interesting, and I was again reading a biography on this this past week, how when, when, when people would go to Labrie and their hearts were changed and actually they, they ended up becoming Christians, it wasn't because of the teaching ultimately of Francis Schaeffer many times, but it was actually the love that they witnessed there in community. Now, if you would, uh, Avi guys, if you put up that um, uh, quote by, uh, by an individual who wrote on Labrie, there, he says, so many... This writer writes, especially those who came to Labrie were convinced of the truth of Christianity, not because it was logically consistent, but also because Francis, Edith, and other Labrie workers demonstrated the love of God by accepting people where they were and loving them regardless of whether they were Christians. Sometimes Schaefer acknowledged that this incarnational aspect of Labrie transcended all the arguments he could muster. To put it in very simple language, many people were converted to the Christian faith, not first and foremost through the cogent reasoning and presentation of this teacher, Francis Schaefer. But they were really affected in their lives because when they went into the Labrie context or the environment, they looked around and they saw the love of fellow Christians, but also those Christians who were showing love to each other also were loving upon them. And this left an indelible impression upon their lives. Now, if you would examine the Bible you'll find constantly the Bible speaking about the the importance of enfolding strangers. That's not just a New Testament concept, by the way. The first two-thirds of the Bible is the Old Testament. And what you find in the Old Testament is something very interesting. You have God coming to his people, his chosen people among all the nations of the earth, right? He chose the Jewish people, the people of the nation of Israel, and he said, those people of the nations, they're not primarily mine. You are mine. You are mine. And what I've done is I've chosen you out of my good pleasure, but also for a purpose, that you may be a light to those nations. So then, when various people of those nations called foreigners or strangers come to you and wish to identify with you, do not push them away. Because the Israelites had a, had a privilege problem. They thought, we are the chosen people of God. He loves us. He does not love the world. And this was a problem with the Pharisees of the New Testament during the ministry of Jesus. There was a lot of ethnic snobbery going on. A lot of cultural narrowness. And God says, that's not to be you. So when a person comes and wants to identify with you, you care for them. You love on them. Why would they do that? Well, you say, yeah. God told him. But there's another reason for that. Now, if the AV guys would also put on those various scripture texts um, from Exodus and also Leviticus. The first one is Exodus 22, verse 21, where we read these words. You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him, for you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. Now, as I read these texts, I want you to notice there's a theme that runs through all these texts. I'll read it again. You shall not wrong a stranger or oppress him, for you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. 
Exodus 23, 9, you shall not oppress a stranger. You know the heart of a stranger because you were once strangers in Egypt. Finally, when a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you must not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do you get the theme that's running through here? God's saying, I want you to take in the stranger and the foreigner. I want you to love on them. I want you to care for their needs. Why? Because God's saying, you know what? You were once strangers. You were once foreigners. Remember that time when you were in Egypt? Do you remember how long the people of God were enslaved and oppressed in Egypt? 430 years. 430 years. And God's saying to his people, don't forget that time. You were oppressed. You were lonely. You were strangers. So when the same kind of people want to come into your midst, you remember that. I showed mercy to you. Now you show mercy to them. That'd be very easy for us to say, well, you know, that was Israel. What about us? Same with us. You know that when the Bible speaks about you and me, it says, in and of ourselves, apart from Christ, we are strangers to God. Remember that passage that we read during our time of confession and assurance from Romans 5? Ungodly, in and of ourselves, right? Sinners, in and of ourselves, Enemies of the cross in and of ourselves. In fact, Ephesians 2.1 says that we are, by, in and of ourselves, by our nature, we are children of wrath. <laughs> That's strong language. Yet God says, I had mercy on you, and by grace I drew you to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and I reconciled you to me. If I have done that for you, who are you to withhold love and mercy from others? Especially the unfamiliar, the stranger. You would put up uh, Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. You who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hospitality. No, hostility. Wow. It would be the height of hypocrisy, wouldn't it? If we just cared for each other and we didn't care for the stranger, it's like saying to God, yeah, I kind of forgot about that mercy you showed to me. Eh, I forgot about that time you loved on me and brought me to Christ. One final thing. We've seen hospitality is important. Why? Well, fundamentally because God commands it. Number two, because God practices it. Number three, because when we exercise hospitality, it ends up being a blessing to the stranger, but also this is something that I want you to think about that we oftentimes don't think about, and that is when we exercise hospitality, sometimes it's more blessed to give than to receive. Sometimes we receive a blessing that we're not expecting. Another thing that we're not expecting is that when we exercise hospitality to the stranger, that's a way of, as we practice it, Christ forming us according to his image. Listen to this. The text says again, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For in so doing, some have entertained angels unawares or without knowing it. Now, I think that's not only a problem passage for kids, I think it's a problem passage for adults. We're all wondering, what in the world does that mean? Because on the surface of it, <laughs> it seems like it's saying, well, you know what? Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers because 
man, you never know. They might be angels, and you don't want to find yourself neglecting angels, right? Uh -uh. I think it's what it's saying. I think what it's saying here is this, and you've heard of that phrase, let Scripture interpret Scripture, let the Bible interpret itself. I think what we have here is an allusion to the book of Genesis, chapter 18, where you find Abraham and Sarah being approached by three men who are in reality angels, but they look like men. And I was just reading this passage last night, and I thought, I want to I look at that passage closely again. And I noticed something in that passage that I didn't notice before. So these three men come to Abraham, and Abraham sees them coming, and the Bible says Abraham ran, he ran out to them. He didn't wait for them to come. He, the Bible says pursue hospitality. Boy, did he pursue. He actually ran toward them. And then in addition to that, he exercised hospitality. He prepared a meal for them. This was home hospitality. And in the course of that hospitality, one of the three angels informed Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have a kid. And Sarah's like, uh, and the words that are used at least in the ESV are like, I'm worn out, and my husband's like old. Right? Way beyond, way beyond childbearing years. He's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm worn out. You know, and it's like they were childless and like, there's no way, right? And yet, that person says, you're going to have a child, you're going to have a child. And that ended up being a great blessing to Abraham and Sarah over the long run. The simple point is this. Just as Abraham exercised hospitality to these three men, these angels, and received a blessing, so too, when we exercise hospitality, we receive a blessing as well. Something that we sometimes forget. Think about this. Every time you exercise hospitality, every time you love on a stranger, every time you invite that stranger into your home, you deepen your faith. Every time you exercise hospitality, you broaden your experience. Especially years ago, and we want to get back into this again, Joy and I, when uh, we pastored in Washington, a lot of times we'd have people into our home. And that's when our kids were still young. And when people would come into our home, when they were really unfamiliar or different backgrounds that we were accustomed to, our kids would sit in on that, and, the, and we'd share stories. Because I always say to people, tell me your story. What's your life like? You know, where you been? And, and then we share our story, and our kids would listen to that. And every time they would listen, they would learn something more about the world. They would learn something more about people's backgrounds that were different than their own. It was, it was, a, it was a great blessing um, to us. So we, we broaden our experience. Every time you exercise hospitality, Christ uses you as an instrument to build his church and his kingdom. And also this, listen closely, every time you exercise hospitality, what you find is that Christ is actually forming you more and more into his image because as Jesus himself teaches us, when we exercise love toward a stranger, we're actually exercising love toward him and that grows us more and more in his image as we exercise that do you remember um uh matthew 25 where jesus essentially says this and these are these are words that penetrate the heart where jesus says i i was hungry and you didn't feed me i was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink 
I was, I was in prison and you didn't visit me. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. Um, I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. And people will say, um, okay, Lord, but honestly, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you prisoner? When did we see you naked? When, when did we see you a stranger? And Jesus said, to the extent that you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And also to the extent that you neglected them, you neglected me. So let's remember one thing. Every time, every time you extend a welcome to a stranger, I want you to have this in your mind. Every time you extend a welcome to a stranger, you're actually welcoming Christ himself. Every time you love upon a stranger, you're loving upon Christ. Every time you invite a stranger into your home, that's Jesus. According to the teaching of Jesus, that's Jesus coming into your home. And every time you bless a stranger, you're blessing Jesus. And, as we've seen, you're blessing yourself. So this is, this is our great mission as a church. This is our great challenge. It is, it is not lost on me that many of us who have come into this church know each other well. We know a lot of other people from other churches that sometimes visit. Um, and I just realized a number of people go to the same school. They are familiar on a number of different levels. Some are even related. Okay? This is a great blessing. I call this the net. This net is a great blessing. provides a lot of stability and joy. It can also be a great detriment when it comes to the ministry of hospitality because what it does is it forces us to say, I'm leaving this net for a while in order to minister to so-and-so or so-and-so, and especially this person who I think, I don't even know if they are a Christian. May God bless us with those kinds of people especially. And we need to, um, brothers and sisters, I want, you to, I want to challenge you to pray for this during the week, and I want to pray, uh, challenge the elders during the congregational prayer to pray about this. I want to challenge myself also to preach in such a way and, and pray in such a way that we together say, Lord, let's start simple. Lord, just thank you for the visitors that you do send, but Lord, send us just one. Send us just one visitor who doesn't know Christ at all, that may we, we may love on that person and that person may be drawn to Christ and experience the community of joy that we experience here. Let's, that, let's be that prayer foremost in our minds in the weeks and the months and the years to come, okay? Oh boy, this is a big subject. Much more could be said, but enough for this morning. Um, we're going to meet also again this afternoon. So join me, if you would, in, in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for our church. Um, Lord, it's such a blessing to be back here again, and it's a blessing, oh God, for all of us just to, to leave everything behind during the week that we face, all these pressures, and we just get to come here and we worship you and we learn and we experience the fellowship of this body. Lord, bless our fellowship. And Lord, help us to extend the love and the fellowship that we enjoy as a church family to those whom you bring to us. God, we do pray for that. And Lord, we pray together. And Lord, I urgently pray, Lord, just send us one person or one couple or one family who would find us on in time when our website is, is, is um, more developed and also maybe through invitation. Just send us that one person, oh God. 
that, that we can speak the gospel to, that we can love on, that they may come to a knowledge of Christ and the joy of belonging to his church. So Father, we bring this to you. Bless the remainder of the worship that we have left and bless all this day that we have. Lord, what a wonderful day of rest you've given us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.